What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Monday Main Point, and really this week is more like the midweek Main Point again on a Wednesday, December 28, 2022. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. I am joined here with uh, the staff here, minus one. Uh, Jeff's on vacation this week, so I hope he has a great vacation, but I'm joined here with our Minister of Congregational Care, Katrina Redman, and our youth pastor, as of uh, uh, emeritus, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because technically your last day was Sunday, right? Yeah, wow, he loves you so much, listeners. He still wanted to come in and podcast with you, so thanks, Jeremiah. I appreciate that. Hope you all had a Merry Christmas. Hope you have a hope you've been having a great holiday season and had a great time with family and celebrating our Savior who was born. And we uh, we had a couple good sermons from Pastor Jeff this weekend. Really, really enjoyed how he uh, approached uh, this passage here in Galatians 4 and with uh, the one in Luke 2. So can't wait to dive into those. It was great. I enjoyed listening to those and uh, with the context surrounding it. We've, uh, we've got a lot to... A lot to talk about and a little time to do it. We just wanted to give you a little bonus episode this week. Usually, uh, usually during this week and the first week of January, we uh, we take uh, this this week off and the next week off just to rest a little bit. But just wanted to come in and give you a little bit of a bonus episode at, to close out season three and do that before season four starts next year. So excited for season four of the podcast coming up. So I'm going to go ahead and read uh, the Galatians 4 passage. And then Katrina, if you don't mind praying for us after I read that, we'll just go ahead and dive right in. So Jeff preached from uh, Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. It says, when the time came to completion, some of your versions might say in the fullness of time, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. I'll go ahead and read verse 6. And because you are sons, just for context, and because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then God has made you an heir. And then in Luke 2, it was about the the good news of the uh, that the shepherds were proclaiming. So Katrina, if you don't mind, just pray in for us real quick. Sure. Our gracious Heavenly Father. Thank you so much for this time together, this time to review your word and the lessons that we were taught on this Sunday and and Saturday on Christmas Eve. Father, what a blessing it is to know that you are our Messiah and our hope. And we just ask that you give us wisdom and words to speak as we run through this uh, for those who are listening so that they can better understand what all this means to us in our daily lives today and what it means for our tomorrow. For it's in Christ's name we do ask and pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Katrina. So I really love this Galatians 4 passage, y'all, because I think really this is a it's a passage that's not necessarily in the Gospels, but it talks a lot about what the Gospels of Matthew and Luke talk about when it comes to Jesus' birth. Um, Let's just start out with the first kind of phrase here. When the time came to completion in the fullness of time. Jeremiah, what are your kind of thoughts when it comes to this? How would you you know, how do you approach this and. What are kind of some of your first thoughts when you hear in the fullness of time? Yeah, so that's fancy, like Bible speak. Uh, <laughs> it really so I is. Like to basically, <laughs> just say at the perfect time, mm, or like good. I don't know. I think that's probably the best way to say it, like modern language, at the perfect time or when at the appointed time by God or whatever. So like, just showing that God was in control and that He had a specific time 
in store for when his son would arrive. And then, I mean, we can talk about like uh, specifics as to why that was the perfect time, but I think Jeff's focus is probably where we should focus. Yeah. The fact that like a, a lot of things like prophecy wise mm-hmm. were taking place. And it's kind of weird for us. To, it's not weird because we, we, we hear about it all the time. But but to think about, like, the census had to be called and then this family goes and, like, Joseph's got no idea what's going on. And, like, obviously God is moving and working. But even Joseph's, like, I mean, you can see it in, in his, like, um, reflection and thinking through things like how am I going to deal with this situation? (laughs) You can see like even he doesn't fully understand what, what's going on. Mary doesn't fully understand at first until they get like divine revelation. And so, but God is working. Uh, A lot of scholars like to talk about like the atmosphere surrounding and and that's good. Things that kind of went on in the intertestamental period a little bit. Yeah, yeah. like uh, the political climate. And, yeah. and that's just understanding context more than it is saying that's the perfect time. Right. Uh, well, it kind of helps us, too. That yeah. that explains to us that God knew all along. He was yeah. in this from the get-go, and we can apply that to our lives today because all of us want what we want and want what we ask God for. And sometimes we have to wait, you know, and, and God knows when the best time to do his work is and what he's got. He knows the future. He's yeah. timeless. He's spirit. So so it's a great even though we get to take a bird's eye view now, we can yeah. we can look at all the things that were laid out beforehand. Um, he's doing that in our lives today. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not just that it happened just on this occasion. We can apply that now. Yeah. So that's the beauty of having that and seeing this is the model that I set before you. I've done it. I've been doing it, and and I'm still doing it today. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. With uh, and you know, like that stuff that went on in the intertestament, definitely important. But I think what you said was spot on. More of the prophecy and how God was orchestrating this at the right time is is really the more kind of important thing to look at. And I was glad that Jeff kind of stayed on that trajectory with that because. Um, yeah, I guess because what I'm trying to say is, yeah. is sometimes scholars like they'll focus on the time. Yeah. Like here's why the time was perfect, and I'm like, no, dude, the it was the plan. Yeah. The plan yeah, was for sure. <laughs> like, yeah. Not just the plan, but like being able to see the plan, because I think like prophecy, it's kind of weird. Not not my view of prophecy, but um, I think that God knows the future, yeah. and therefore gives the prophet. The information from the future. I think some people, or maybe maybe even me, and sometimes I think this does happen. God tells the prophet because he's going to orchestrate the plan that way. And I think sometimes it's the other way around. Meaning God knows the future, so he just tells them what is going to happen. But I think in this case, especially, and, and Matthew, this is why Matthew's gospel is so important. And why, like, when you're reading through it, there's all these, like, breaks to give you a historical, like, quote from the Old Testament. Like, uh, Jesus went out to Egypt. This was to fulfill this. And Jesus, uh, they went to uh, Bethlehem by census. Well, this was to fulfill this. And so, um, and I like I like Matthew's gospel, especially the Christmas account, for that reason. Because there's all those little nuggets as to 
what God was doing, especially in the person of Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. And Matthew does really a great job with that because his whole purpose in writing that was to show that he is that Old Testament Messiah who was promised. And um, even and you see that even like a like you were saying in Matthew two, where the wise men come from the east and they're like, you know, where where is this baby supposed to be born at? Is and the scribes even go and support that? Okay, he was supposed to be born in Bethlehem from Micah. And I think Jeff said Micah was like 700 years before, 700 years before what Christ. 740 or yeah, seven, 740 or something. I think Micah was about around the time of Isaiah, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, Isaiah had many prophecies that predicted the the coming of Jesus. So I like I like what you said with the it coming at the perfect time. God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. So what does uh, Katrina, what what does uh, Paul mean when he says born under the law? Is he talking about like a, a moral law? Is he talking about the Jewish law? What's going on here? Yeah, the law was given for man. <laughs> yeah. So so the law was given to show uh, Jewish people that um, they needed a savior. Basically, the bottom line was um, you can't walk in and justification, you can't walk righteously with God on your own. No, and that's not what at all. The, that's what the law was trying to do to say you could be perfect, but you can't be perfect without God giving of himself to us. He was the model, you know, for us. So that under the law means under the Jewish law. All right. I like that. I like that. We'll talk a lot about uh, kind of like the law and what that sort of means for us a little bit uh, this coming Sunday when I preach from Exodus 19 okay. passage right before um. God gives the Ten Commandments, so looking forward to that. But with yeah, I like what you said with him uh, being born under the law, and it says in verse five to redeem those under the law. What is uh what does the redemption involve? Why why do they have to be under the law, and um and so that we might receive adoption as son? How does that kind of coincide together here? How would you explain this verse? So with the law, that was. So that, like I said, um, they could walk in a right way and be in a right relationship with God. But there was no way because we were broken, you know, from the beginning, from Adam and Eve in the garden. And and Pastor Jeff brought that up in in the candlelight service, I believe. Um, Yeah, I think so. we We were broken with the fall of man. We were in a broken relationship with God. And the law was made so that they could try <laughs> to walk in in that right relationship to realize sometimes it takes us time. I'm I'm a lot like that myself as a Christian. Sometimes I have to do it the wrong way to learn the right way. And and that's that's how some of us learn. <laughs> and, yeah, and so yeah, for sure. <laughs> kind of doing that with the Jewish people and giving them a chance to see that, you know, we needed a savior. All of us needed a savior. You know, remember the Jewish people were to be the example, the role models for the people around them. Yeah, to, to be see. that holy nation, exactly. to be like the ambassadors to go for. Right. You know, their testimony was to to show God to the people. You know, how to live a righteous life, and and we fell short. We all, you know, because um, you know that's what the law was for. But then um, Jesus came to fulfill the law. Mm. So. Because he was the perfect son of God, because he was sinless, he could walk in a perfect way 
and perfect relationship, be in perfect relationship with God. So that's how all of that kind of ties in together. And to redeem us, he had to have a perfect sacrifice for for us to be covered, for our um, for for man mankind to to have salvation. Yeah, I like that. I think you're spot on there. I've used this illustration a lot, but I I kind of look at the law as like a like an X-ray for the people because um, the law shows that, you know, what's wrong. Um, obviously they didn't obey at the mountain and God gives them the law to show like how, you know, kind of guide them on how to walk in holiness, how to obey him because God's holiness does require a, a very high standard. Um, and the people, we just don't live up to that. We just don't because we are sinners. We're broken, like you said, in the garden. I like that word broken. I think that really resonates with a lot of people, especially um, especially in our culture today. Using words like uh, like brokenness and like need, things like that really do really do help out a lot. Uh, Jeremiah, I have a question for you. So there is a, a lot of controversy right now over um, a, a Christian a Christian film right now with the chosen this um, with this coming season and. Jesus in there says that he is the law, whereas in the Sermon on the Mount, we know that Jesus says that I am, uh, I have come to fulfill the law. But a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of controversy because a lot of, a lot of Christians have really fallen into, uh, or not fallen into, they've really um, enjoyed. enjoyed the chosen and with this. And there's a little bit of a controversial scene where uh, the Pharisees and the religious leaders come up to him here. And say, and they're like questioning about stuff, and he says, "I am the law of Moses." Is that is that accurate? Because I, I, I ask that because a lot of our a lot of our people, especially in Christian kind of context today, are going to be watching that. Should we obtain some theology from that, or should we be kind of hesitant with that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, that's a pretty simple one, like. Yeah. There's a ton of I am statements from the book of John, and none of them are that Jesus is the law or whatever. No, there's not. So, like, that's tough uh, because you want to you want to champion or you want to you want to get behind like these these things. But even and, and you should do this with every Sunday sermon. That's like, true. Like you right. should you should be using or yeah using the Bible to interpret like things that you hear right. and when you hear something that might be like oh red flag or like like i don't remember that from the bible then that should like right you know set, set off your spiritual alarm. Yeah, yeah when you get disquieted in your spirit yeah. you're supposed to go to god with that you're supposed to seek yeah. out that's the study and show yourself approved that's the digging in and really understanding what is God's word saying and why is this making me feel bad. You're never going to agree theologically in line with every single person. You know, we all have our own um, uh, way that uh, God convicts our hearts. And at different times, our walk is different, you know, as we grow in the Lord. And so, you know, their understanding from their point of view may be to put this in this TV show. Doesn't mean that all of it is bad. No, but we need to be careful as Christians because this could be the start of something that takes it completely off track of what the gospel says. Right. No, I like that. And the only reason I bring that up is because that is a really uh, a really well known and uh, well watched show among yeah. among Christians right now. So I wanted to bring that up, especially when it talks about the law, because 
how Jesus relates to the law really is important because um, if we don't really have a right understanding of that, how to how he fixes sin and how he exposes sin, I think really um, with that we got to understand how he does both of those. And it goes on to say here that uh, he came to redeem those who are under the law, so that the uh, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And me personally, just on a personal note, I I love this passage. I have two adopted brothers, and I think adoption is one of the, um, and I'm, obviously I'm really biased saying this, but I think adoption is one of the best uh, best pictures of the gospel, best illustrations of the gospel, because with an adoption, you have the parents who are seeking out to adopt, but uh, the kid can obviously, um, the kid also gets a say in whether or not he, he or she wants to be adopted or not, but you have that beautiful picture of taking taking somebody who is in a terrible situation and bringing them in as one of their own, and calling calling him to himself, making them part of the family, and getting all the benefits of what it means to be mm-hmm. a part of a family. And so I, I really love that on a on a personal note. And uh, it says here, crying Abba, Father. I think translation wise, that's almost like saying Daddy, yeah. like that tender. Uh, it's a more intimate way of. Of crying out to God, it's 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 family. Right, and Jeremiah, you got kids. I know that. I'm sure whenever they call you daddy, it just means the you know means the world to you. You know, whereas if they said Jeremiah, <laughs> you know, they were like father, father, <laughs> like <laughs> like how Luke Skywalker talks to like Darth Vader or something. Yeah. You know, that'd be a little bit weird. <laughs> no, I see that. So. You are no longer a slave, but a son, because with the law, it does condemn us. We are slaves to sin. But if you are a son, God has made you an heir to the riches of what it means to be a son. And really, that is the good news that Jeff talks about in, uh, well, Jesus talks about, Jeff preached on it, but with uh, what he went to in Luke 2. So we can go ahead and go, we can go ahead and go to Luke 2 and kind of transition over there. Yeah, well, uh, while you're turning there. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot, like in Galatians, about the law. Yeah. Um, so if you just want to know more, like, unfortunately, I mean, you got to go back to, like, the beginning of chapter 3. And unfortunately, when you read it uh, for, like, the first time and the second time and probably the 10th, <laughs> you'll just have more questions. But it yeah. will, I think, I think if you read it and, and try to keep reading it, reading it with understanding, uh, you will get a, a more nuanced and I think clearer picture of the purpose of the law. And there's an example in there that they give, like with Hagar and with Sarah, the the the, the free woman and the slave woman. Mm-hmm. And what does it mean? Because like that's when I get bogged down in this passage where I have a lot of questions is like, what does it mean he was born under the law? Does mm-hmm. that mean he was there was an authority higher than him? Uh, and what does it mean if he's born under the law? What does it mean that he redeemed those who are under the law? Meaning that we're also in the same boat. Well, it could be that yeah. that's part of the sentence structure. And, you know, when you when you study the grammar of it, too, you've got in front of that born of a woman under the law. You yeah, know, yeah. so where, where's your subject in that yeah, in yeah. that sentence and how should you interpret that phrase? Yeah, you yeah. know, what does it relate back to? So it could be that she was human, you know. That's it. I mean, yeah. literally, that's what it boils down to is like he was born as a human. Yeah. <laughs> that's what yeah, I mean, for real. And that's kind of the point I was going to make. Like, 
it's like there's a lot of words in these two chapters, but especially when you get over to verse or to verse 21 through like the end of chapter four, you really see that basically all that he's saying is is he was born in the flesh. Mm -hmm. He was born under a woman, John born in the one. flesh. Yeah. This is what it means to be born in the flesh and to be kind of enslaved by sin and just enslaved by human nature, a.k.a. sin. And so there's a lot going on there, but it's actually pretty it's, – it's easier to interpret than, than first glance. And I like that Pastor Blake's going to follow up on that this Sunday because if you want to know more about the law, come join us on Sunday because, <laughs> because that's what he's going to tie it all together um, yeah. with his sermon. Yeah, and that's a uh, looking forward to looking forward to that. And with Galatians, when it comes to understanding the law, it's such a good book to understand that because Paul was addressing a problem with the Galatian church trying to revert back to the law. Yeah. Um, because this church had been uh, they had been Jewish converts into Christianity, and these false teachers, uh, scholars call them Judaizers came in and began infiltrating the church saying, hey, well, actually, you need to start following the law again. And the law really condemns your bondage to the law. And Paul's like, no, no, there's freedom in Christ. And with with this freedom in Christ, you can actually live this out. You, why in the world would you go back to something that enslaved you when you have this freedom? So understand the context will really help there. But I, I love Galatians and I know your favorite I know your favorite verse is in Galatians. And verses is my favorite book. Yeah. Because it's a it's so for the listeners, I really encourage you, you know, in the new year, start start your quiet time or your devotional time, however however you do it in the book of Galatians. It and if you got any questions, definitely feel free to reach out to us. But it's a wonderful and excellent excellent passage what was a let's see here in luke 2 what was the what was the verse he it had? was 10 and 11 that he preached from but he also pulled in um verses 2 through 9 as well so with that okay all right so let's see verses 10 through 11 okay it's the angel my bad i think i might have said it was the shepherds who did that <laughs> my bad on that uh uh, verse 10 says, But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. So I always, I've always noticed how whenever an angel comes about, he's usually like, don't be afraid. Yes. And I don't know like how this angel appeared or but if it's anything like how Ezekiel describes angels, I might would be afraid too whenever I see a oh, yeah. I yeah think whenever that's important yeah because we we tend to have a misconception of them as you know non threatening, um, but anything that's beyond our finite being, they are holy being they are heavenly beings yeah. and and they reflect that and and we need to view God more like that when we can't we we show more reverence because when we view him as just like us, we we get into trouble because we're not giving him the respect he he's earned. Yeah, and I think there's a and I think there's a fine balance there because yeah, he is the creator of the universe. He deserves this reverential awe. Mm -hmm. um, and if we don't give him the right glory he deserves, obviously we do run into problems. I think it also benefits us to see that he does become like us and he can empathize right, with us right. for sure. So I think I think having both of those really is a good yeah, or a good right way of looking at it. Sure. Yeah, because Jesus, you know, being fully God and fully human, you know, he can understand our weaknesses right. because he was a human. Right. 
you know, if he was this mystical, you know, this heretical, I can't remember what it was like, Gnostic, Gnostic, uh, (laughs) this Gnostic God, he really wouldn't be able to be a high priest who could empathize with our weaknesses, who could understand us. Um, And I was going to talk about that too, because, you know, when we talk about world religions and, and what others believe, the fact that he was both God and fully God and fully man is really important because um, in the other belief systems, they recognize him if they recognize him. They don't recognize him as God. They don't recognize him as um, the Messiah um, and, and fully God and fully man. And that, that distinguishes Christianity from other belief systems. Yeah, well, C.S. Lewis said it best. Jesus was either a liar, lunatic, or he's Lord. And recognizing Jesus as Lord, uh, like how Jeff talked about where these uh, Yahweh texts really are, the word Yahweh for the Lord Jehovah is applied to Jesus. That has humongous implications for who we see the person of Jesus is. And if, I mean, I'm going to argue if he's not God and he can't really atone for us on the cross, and there is no good news to share. And when uh, when he says, look, don't be afraid. When the angel says, don't be afraid. Look, I proclaim to you great news of great joy. That will be for all the people. The angels have had a perspective of the sun ever since they were created. They saw the sun in heaven. You know, when he had those heavenly riches before he left, before he, uh, not got rid of, what's the word I'm looking for? What? Emptied himself, yeah. Before he emptied himself of those riches, he they had that perspective that, um, but with him on his throne, and with this, um, with this says, uh, will be for all people. Uh, with obviously in the Old Testament, God chose a people for Himself through Israel. Um, I gotta imagine being a first century Jew hearing this. Would that hearing that it's for all people? Would that have would that have rubbed them the wrong way? Yeah, I think it probably would have. I mean, usually a story like Jonah. Yeah, <laughs> but like it shouldn't have. Right. Like they shouldn't be surprised by this statement. Um, and I think that's the number one like falling like the. The number one problem in Israel is that they kept it to themselves. And I think, if we're being honest, the number one problem in the church is that we keep it to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so we can learn a lot from Israel, because I think sometimes we're, we're critical. I am. I'm very critical of Israel. I'm also very appreciative of Israel. But I'm very critical of Old Testament saints and, and kind of their approach to God like kind of just feels like they're inward focused and we've got to protect the teaching. We're gatekeepers. We want to keep people out because because they're sinful, right? Like we, we want to keep the sin out, so let's just keep the people out. And I don't think that was ever the intention. Um, I think even the beginning with the promise to Abraham that he would, you know, he would be fathered. Abraham. Yeah, like descendants, like saying on the sea with all nations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it says all nations. Yeah. And it's like, well, how did they get that wrong? Like, how did they not understand that it was for all nations? Like, like even Jeremiah and Isaiah, if you go to the very beginning of their books, I think it's in Isaiah 6, but it's in Jeremiah 1, I think. Um, when God's calling them to be prophets, 
literally says you will be a prophet to the nation. Yeah. Like not to just Israel. You're my prophet and I am for the nations. I'm for everyone. And so this shouldn't have come as a surprise. But again, not to be too critical of them, because I think we at times, especially in history and, and sometimes currently, we we kind of just hoard it for ourselves and we don't share share it with others. And so we can't be too critical. Of well, that kind of ties in with my lesson for the youth that will be this coming Sunday as well. So I'm going from uh, Hebrews chapter uh, 12, verse 2, oh, and yeah. talking about looking unto Jesus. Yeah. Um, and so and I, I was reading in the passage, when you run in a straight line, yeah. you run faster. If you look to the side and run, you're not going to run as fast. If you look at your own feet and run, you're not going to run as fast. Yeah. And you're not, you're not going to stay on course. So it's where you have your focus. And their focus, God was trying to teach them over and over again. And he was so patient mm-hmm. with the, the nation of Israel. He kept his covenant with them. Mm-hmm. He he honors his promises. And and all he was asking for them was said, look, focus on me. Focus on me. That's that's what I need you to do. Focus on me and you'll be okay. Yeah. And we, we have to learn that too. When we look to the side or when we think about it's all about me, it's not all about us. It's all about him. And so, you know, that's the... That's the whole point, and that's why they got off track, and we do the same thing. Well, and especially in a consumeristic, is that a word? Consumeristic, consumer, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In a culture that really uh, promotes consumerism. There we go. I think that's that's a little bit better. Is that better? (laughs) Okay, good. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When we have a very consumer mindset, that can easily that can really be infiltrated into our church life too. And I think that's where, like what you were saying, when it becomes all about us, when we become so inward focused, when our money's become inward focused, when everything we do, the why behind everything becomes inward focused, it's very, it's not very glorifying unto God because it is a good, you know, we are to go reach people, to go reach the nations, to reach the people around us. And I think in that if you are somebody who is not a Jew, that's good news for you. And it's good news for Jews, too. Don't get me wrong. But if you are somebody who's not a Jew, all nation, that includes you because you would consider you would be considered a Gentile. Mm-hmm. So that's good news for us, like in Acts 1-8, you know, to reach the ends of the earth. Like, we are a part of that promise to, you know, of the gospel reaching the ends of the earth. So we can even be thankful for what's going on here in our context. Yeah, I like how Pastor Jeff organized this sermon as um, an investigation, you know, like a reporter would do. Then the who, when you're talking about, we need to go share this good news, it came to the shepherds, the least of these. The the shepherds took care of the sheep outside of the city. They were kind of like the outcasts. They were not viewed favorably. Um, And the angels came to them. To, to bring, to, to come, and they obe- obeyed immediately. They didn't waste time. They didn't second guess it. They went immediately to share the good news. And after they saw Jesus lying in the manger, they, they went and told everybody. They didn't stop there. They told everybody they saw, even though the people they were telling were probably going, aren't you supposed to be out there with the sheep? Why are you here? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. need the sheep. So, so, yeah, the good news and who it came to, and the least of these, all of those things kind of tie together in that first point that Pastor Jeff was making about who, who the good news of the Messiah. So yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, 
a little bit odd that he came to the sh that the angels came to the shepherds first. Um, what? No, you don't think so? Not if you read the rest of scripture. Well, I, I, yeah, well, that's true. That's true. Let me <laughs> let me rephrase that. You would think yeah, that from, from like a cultural perspective, from a cultural perspective, we wouldn't have chosen. We wouldn't have chosen to go to these shepherds for there. I'm glad you had me clarify that because that's what I was meaning to say. We wouldn't have chose the Messiah to come from someone who was viewed as the least in society, which was a young girl, unmarried, that she was the property of her family. You know, it, yeah. we would not have chosen that. Well, and I think it's in what Second Corinthians two, or um, Paul writes that you know just chooses the nobodies. Oh, yeah. yeah, he came for the least, and he yeah, for he's, the least he's here for everyone, and I love that. That was part and throughout this whole story of the gospel. Yeah, and I, I love that. And for all people, that means great implications for our evangelism is for all people. He wants, and in Second yeah. Peter, it's clear he wants all people to come and know him. In First Timothy, it's clear that um, God wants all people to be saved. Uh, all people means all people. Even people you disagree with, even people who don't look like you, even people who might kind of intimidate you for any reason whatsoever, they need the gospel. They need the gospel. And if we look at people not based on outward appearance, but somebody who needs a, a savior, our love and our, uh, you know, our love, our charity, our uh, um, service to them is going to be a lot, a lot greater. And in verse 11, uh, Luke goes on to write, today in the city of David, a savior was born for you what what does he mean by the city of David here? Yeah, that's a little confusing. Um, but it's I mean it's clear from the Old Testament that uh, David was born in Bethlehem, and so that that just became the city of David, even though that's not where David like lived most of his life. That's where he was born. Mm. And uh, like somebody else we know. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I mean, yeah, there were more than one Bethlehem, so it's it's good that they put the city yeah. of David because yeah. there are two Bethlehem, Judah, and there's another Bethlehem yeah. as well. So yeah. So it's and like the Old Testament prophecy is about like how small Bethlehem is. I think by the time of Jesus, it gets bigger, mm -hmm. um, and that's where there's like the confusion with the words, the prophecy, and then what like mm -hmm. old Bethlehem. What does it say? Something like small and mighty or whatever. That's yeah, what yeah, there is some kind of confusion there a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you know. there's like, he, he, he seemingly misquotes the prophecy in the book of Matthew. But either way, it's about Jesus and that he would be born in Bethlehem. But for me, the takeaway, there's a bunch of takeaways as to like how that worked. One is the, 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 census which had nothing to do with god's people like they they had no ulterior motives for calling a census so that joseph would show up in bethlehem right <laughs> right like and then he doesn't even stay that long that's, he just no, he doesn't, doesn't even stay that long that's god using non-believers yeah. to fulfill his yeah. promises and because rome was the one that ordered the census so yeah so yeah he used rome to fulfill his his well, and that's and that's not the first time God's used uh, unbelievers or pagans or whatever you will to uh, accomplish His purposes, like uh, the Edict of Cyrus that we see in Ezra, Ezra chapter one. Um, he pretty much lets the people go back into their homeland, and 
from everything we see, I don't think Cyrus was a believer. Yeah. Um, but God still used, mm-hmm. uh, providentially used his actions to for the betterment of his people. So uh, thanks for clar- clarifying that for uh, the city of David. And a Savior was born for you. That gives us peace, too. Yeah. Because it, it doesn't matter who's, you know, blocking you from, from doing what you feel God's called you to do. You know, it, God's in control. Mm-hmm. And, and he can use anyone to accomplish his purposes. Yeah, he so sure that, really reassuring for us. He sure can. And that's a, that is reassuring knowing that we can find comfort because God is in control. Even when, uh, even when it doesn't seem like it is, I know a lot of, uh, a lot of the Psalms kind of cry out for like justice and like, Lord, what in the world is going on here? But they usually end with, okay, I do know that you're on your throne and you're in power. <laughs> you know, it's like, all right, you know, they'll vent like crazy, but it's like, all right, Lord, control now <laughs> so uh, uh and that's something you know that can uh, really help resonate with us and we'll kind of close out here uh with luke saying who is the messiah the lord the savior that was born for the savior that was born for you one of the questions i wanted to uh throw out to y'all when we're witnessing to people how do we should we should we mention the term messiah mm. um what if we do how should we approach that or because most people today, if I say, hey, a Messiah was born for you, they're going to be like, you know, I'll throw that out there to you. I think it depends. You've got to know your person first, who you're talking to, know your audience. And I think that's the what Jesus did. He understood who he was talking to, and he put it in terms that they could understand. So if you're talking to someone who has not grown up in church and has no backing in that, they don't know what that means. And so, you know, you, you really have to, um, the first thing I do when I'm encountering someone who's got questions is I pray. Quick, short prayer. Father, give me the words to say. Your yeah. words, let your words fill my mouth because you know them I don't. And you know what I for. And I think that's really important. You want to connect with that person. And you can really derail the conversation by using words that they can't connect with. It's going to make for a very short encounter. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't. I mean, it's Christ and Messiah. I know we say them a lot, but they're really just Jewish terms. Yeah. I mean, like we're we're in a Judeo-Christian worldview, so in some ways, we still have home court advantage. So you could say like Messiah or Christ, and you you got a good chance they know what you're talking about. But most of the world, and in and increasingly in America. I don't have a clue, and I don't think you need to know. I don't think you need to – I mean, it's tough because you, you want them to understand what the Christ is. You want them to understand who the Messiah was. But you can just use terms like the promised one. Or like a or, rescuer. Yeah, a yeah. rescuer. Or I think the New Testament, way more than the Old Testament, calls him God's son. Mm. And I think that's just easier for the general person to – to kind of know who this person is. Well, not necessarily, because like we talked about before, in other world religions, they consider it an abomination or sinful yeah. to consider God to consider Jesus God's son. Yeah. Um. You know, and they they, well, they really look so. At I that. guess let me clarify. Yeah. They understand what that means yeah. easier than just saying Christ. They don't have like a right. They don't have any. Just because it's offensive to them doesn't mean they don't understand like God's son. 
And it is offensive. Like, and it should be offensive in some ways. You don't want to be offensive, but the gospel should be right. offensive, uh, especially if you believe things like just that are mu- contrary Muslim, to yeah, like yeah. Muslims believe that that God couldn't enter into creation, that He wouldn't enter into creation. Well, the problem is, is everything for Christianity hinges on that. Yeah. So it's offensive to them, sure, but we still have to to share. I guess is my point. Um, I, yeah, I, I understand. But you do know you, you want to know your audience, yeah. but um, but you don't want to compromise God's word at, yeah, yeah, at the yeah. same time. Yeah. I like using the analogy: God gave up Himself because Jesus was God. <laughs> yeah. He was yeah. there yeah. from the beginning, and so when you look at it Himself, instead of saying Son, yes, He was yeah. the Son of God. We understand that, but to present it initially, you know, it's it's really um, it it's better received in my experience. To, to say God sacrificed himself for us. But actually, I mean, you're you're right there. Because the moment you bring up God's son, they're going to probably bring up the Trinity, and then you're just on a rabbit it's, track. It's that word son that they stumble over. Yeah. And so finding a different way to approach it, that's, you know, that's the work that we do. You know, when you just stick to what what you were taught, yeah. which may resonate with you but not with someone else, and, you know, the work of being um, sharing God's word and sharing the good news is being able to understand the person and yeah. to to be God's mouthpiece. And I think He yeah. comes to to others like uh, Pastor Jeremiah was talking about the dreams. You know, not yeah. not Pastor Jeremiah, um, the pastor that came in and spoke to us, who was from a hostile territory, the um, missionary that was oh, in the hostile yeah, territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, and, and Pastor Jonathan was here for yeah. for that. But, um, you know, they were talking about visions and, and things mm-hmm. like that. God can speak in many ways. Yeah. And he can reveal himself to anyone. And, and so that's... Yeah, it's important that we don't like feel like there's like a cookie-cutter way. Right. Because um, I think... And I grew up thinking this, like, I had to be this guy who had this presentation, met a whole bunch of strangers... And gave my presentation, and then never saw him again. And so that if I messed up that presentation, I messed up them for eternity. Mm. And it's like, uh, I think I don't think that's what was intended. I think that I think there are times when you might should share Christ with a stranger. In fact, I know there are times when you should share Christ with a stranger. Um, but most of the time, when the Bible talks about sharing Christ and being for people, it's like. No, you live with them. You live around them. You invite them to your home. You go to their home. Yeah. You have a relationship with them. And so you get to know them. You 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 can answer their questions. Like as soon as you say Jesus is God's son and they get triggered or whatever, or then you're there for them rather than it be one presentation. They've got a thousand questions. You can't answer them because you only got 15 minutes or 10 minutes to <laughs> to get this person saved, <laughs> and you want to be faithful to what God has for you, but there's really no cookie cutter. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say that to scare you, because I think it's easier for us to prepare a presentation than it is to. That's the key. Prepare it's easy. A, a life, a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Be careful of what is easy, because yeah. God's work is never easy. But I love how um, Pastor Jeff really talked about the Messiah. And it ties all of Scripture together, Old Testament yeah. through New Testament, all the way through Revelation, from Genesis to Revelation. And that's <laughs> the point. It, God does not lie. 
God gave us scripture to learn and to use as our guidebook and to be able to share the good news with everyone. And it's consistent throughout the entirety of scripture. Yeah, absolutely. And the reason and the reason I bring that question up was um, when we are with this, I think a lot of times we can use churchianity words for lack of a better term. And is that a new word again? Is a, yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, Jeff, Jeff likes to use yeah. Christianity adjacent. It's like, our lingo. Yeah, like the, tradition. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's just Jeff's term. Right. And basically what I'm saying is we don't want to be confusing when sharing and we want to be clear with our terms. Yeah. And I think what the both of you were saying was, was definitely spot on with knowing people, building relationships and answering their questions and really getting to know them and not seeing them like as a uh, people to give a presentation to, but yeah. people to be loved and when we fall into the presentation and feeling like we got to be sophisticated with everything then i think we can i think we can fall into the trap of uh so many things that we don't want to that we don't want to get involved in so i really i really enjoyed uh looking at these passages with you both uh any final uh any final encouragements any words of application that you want to throw out before we before we close out here make it Make it a goal to share with one person. I know that seems very small, but for a lot of people, that's a scary thing. But to share the good news, the gospel with someone, get to know who they are and what their concerns and questions are, and be able to to present what you know, what God's filled your heart to know as truth about who he is and and what he came to do. So, yeah, I would encourage people to, to share this good news, keeping it to yourself. It's not what we're called to do. We're called to share it. Yeah, absolutely. Jeremiah, any final any final words application from you? No, not not on the last two. Uh, unfortunately for me, I do Christmas since November one. Yeah. So <laughs> by by December twenty five, I'm ready for New Year's. So I've kind of uh, you know switched my and I think that I think our people. I've switched our, our focus to the new year and new beginnings. And also, it's just really cold outside. So, no, I got people you. are like, yeah, they're we're worse. in this kind of fog of like, are we in the holidays or are we just trying to survive? But yeah, um, that has nothing to do with the sermon, but that's where my thoughts are right now. No, I got you, man. <laughs> Love the honesty. <laughs> Love the honesty. Well, looking forward to bringing a sermon, uh, actually, two sermons. For you in the next couple of weeks, um, going to be in Exodus chapter 19 on Sunday. We're going to look at the whole chapter there, and really, uh, really excited about that. Going to talk about um, how Moses was a mediator between God and the people, but also how Christ is a mediator between us and God. Uh, that's really what that sermon's going to get at, with obviously being faithful to the story of what went on with God at the mountain with the Israelites and. Uh, really excited about that, and then the next week we'll uh, we'll be probably looking at uh, the parable of the talents and not living a wasted not living a wasted year, kind of like we're talking about with sharing the gospel. So looking forward to being with you and preaching in the next couple weeks. So I ain't preaching forever, so I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. So we hope here at Rose of Sharon you had a great holiday season and you continue to have a great holiday season. 
please know if there's any questions that you have or anything we can ever do for you. Please don't hesitate to reach out. We love you. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you on the next one. It's been a great season three. Looking forward to season four in the new year. Thank you, and so long.